You're listening to In Cahoots, a Mum Heart Australia podcast. I'm Lacey. And I'm Karina. And we're joining homeschool mums across the country, sharing our stories and encouraging each other, because everything's better when you do it with a friend. Okay, we are back and you are in for a treat today because... This is a historic moment. We are going to have our first male on the podcast (laughs) and I am ready for it. I hope you're ready for it. Um, I've got Anthony today here with me from the Living Book Press. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Lacey. Wonderful to be able to chat with you. Yeah, it is good. I have been looking forward to this for some time. I was very excited when you said that you would um, brave up and come on the Mum Heart podcast. I, I'm glad to be one of the mums. So I think of myself now in the Facebook groups. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> Very good. Um, we always start our show with a little bit of a chat of what our lives are looking like lately and what we've been up to. I know that you are a busy man um, and you've got lots on your plate. What is life looking like for you at the moment? Life, um, I feel bad saying it because of the amount of chaos and disturbance in the world, but life here is really great. Um, I'm lucky that we're on a farm and the three boys can just run around outside all the time. So we've, we've had a lot of rain last week. We're all flooded down the back. So they've been taking a kayak out and I don't know how they can handle the cold water, but they're loving going out and playing in that. And, and life here has been, been good. The boys haven't left the property for months and I try to get them to come with me to drop things down the street and they don't want to leave. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's been good. Yeah. And I think when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that um, you guys have had some baby animals. Is that right? Yeah, we've been um, getting a fair few baby chicks. And so we've got about 50 layer chicks that are a couple of weeks old. We've been having fun watching rear and my um, oldest son has decided he wants to breed chickens. So he's been breeding our fancy golden buff Orpingtons. And I just had a few of those hatch over the last two days. So that's been lovely. That's so exciting. What does he do with them when he's like, he's bred them? Does he sell them on and get a bit of pocket money or is it more of a hobby for himself? That's the plan at the moment. He's wanting to, to try and raise some money doing that. Um, okay. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess children are a bit like adults, but the um, intentions at the start of a project don't always follow through, do they? No, that's right. And I think the chickens... Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of work for not as much money. And he, he also helps my wife train her horses. And okay. um, if, if she sells one of those, he does a little bit better than selling a few chickens. So ah, right. <laughs> he may decide he wants to focus on the horses more. Chickens aren't quite a lucrative business, hey? <laughs> no, not so much, but it's fun. <laughs> How about you, Lacey? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I always think about this before we record and I just came up with a big fat blank. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I almost always have a project on the go, but um, at the moment I am really trying to pursue stillness in my life. Uh, I think, yeah, I've always been a busy woman um, that has gone into next level this semester because um, I shared in our opening episode for the season that I've started part-time work. So mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't done that since we had children 10 years ago. Um, and I have a lot of drive time. The school that I'm working at is half an hour away. So, you know, I'm spending an hour in the car every work day and everybody's saying to me like, what podcast are you listening to? And um, (laughs) that was my first thought. Yeah, I know. You must be able to do so much with that time. But 
um, strangely enough, I am really, I just, I'm drawn to silence at the moment. And most of the time I listen to nothing. I don't listen to the radio or music or podcasts. I just do it um, with nothing in my ears. And I'm really enjoying that process and downtime. Um, I think it's been a heavy year for a lot of people in a lot of ways. And um, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm certainly not immune to that. There's been a, a decent amount of complexity in my life this year. So I don't know. I'm just really enjoying the decompression of not having stuff. Um, just that constant input, I guess, and that consuming. I feel like it's been a good deliberate choice to steer myself away from that just for now, just for this season. And yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying just the practice of stillness. And are you enjoying not being able to be interrupted? Like just, yeah. That yeah, by my children. Time? Yeah. I mean, children are wonderful, but you can never really relax. No, that's <laughs> got- true. That's true. And prior to this, um, to be frank, I hardly ever drove by myself anywhere. Um, so, yeah, I am really enjoying that. It is nice. And I suppose in the past, I also gave up on listening to podcasts or things in the car because I knew it was always going to get interrupted by the children. So, um, yep. yeah, it is nice just to have those kind of big chunks of the day and to get my headspace into, you know, either going to work or coming back home and, and being ready that when I walk in the door, I'm in the right sort of frame of mind. So, it, yeah, it's been really good. That's fantastic. Hmm. So yeah, not very much going on in my life, just a lot of silence, but I'm appreciative of it. That sounds delightful. Hmm. Now, nobody's very interested in me. Everybody wants to know about you. I I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'll throw it back to you. So maybe you could start off by telling us a little bit about your family. You've already kind of given us some clues um, about sort of where you live and, and your family, but I think you need to give us the full story. So tell us a bit about your family and what homeschooling looks like for you guys. Okay. Um, my wife and I have been married ooh, 16 and a half years now. And um, we've got three boys. We've got a 10 and eight and a seven. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, a lot of fun. It was good having them that close. I think cause they're all great little buddies. The alliances can shift back and forth, but they can always have a lot to play with each other um, mm-hmm. on different interests. Uh, we started homeschooling right from the start. Um, we'd just, we'd had a business for, for a long time selling musical instruments um, and it was an hour away. So the drive was fairly long and just as the kids were growing up, we wanted to spend more time with them. And I was also leading um, out uh, with youth and that kind of thing at church and noticing that the kids didn't ask questions. Um, If I asked them to do things, they would want to make sure they did it the way I wanted it done rather than using their initiative and thinking about um, and running with whatever it was that they were meant to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wanted to to raise our boys to question things and to have that initiative and to have that just um, just that love of learning and what they're wanting to do. And we thought that being able to teach them homeschooling was one of the great ways to foster that because there's no way when you've got 30 kids in a classroom, you can allow them all to ask questions. Um, right. It's just not, not feasible for how it's set up. It's nothing against um, teachers. It's just not practical with the, the system that is there. Yeah. And so we uh, started doing it and um, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and then our second child um, has a few special needs, so he wouldn't be able to cope at school anyway. Uh, so we're just glad that we've been able to start from homeschooling with him anyway, rather than having to deal with the extra anxiety and, and things that he would have had at school. Yeah, of course. 
So um, we style, we use a Charlotte Mason style of um, homeschooling. I remember doing a whole pile of quizzes when I was first exploring the different options and they all came up with um, unschooling and Charlotte Mason as the, the top options that suited our philosophies. Okay. Um, being someone who just loves books, I thought, hey, that's a, a great idea to use Charlotte Mason style. Um, uh -huh. And we've just sort of kept rolling. Okay. And um, in your family then, I think probably some of our listeners are already perking up at the idea that you were the person that did the quizzes and you were the person that um, had some of these considerations going on. So is it, would you consider it a shared job between you and your wife or do you take primary um, responsibility for the homeschooling? How does that work? Um, we, we share it, definitely. I take the impetus with the bookwork and that kind of thing. Um, I had a head injury when I was 16 and had to drop out of school. And so I have a lot of trouble um, when there's a lot going on, organising thoughts and that kind of thing. So when we had the shop, I ended up working from home most of the time um, so that I could focus on one thing at a time. And so I... Um, so I'd like to get really prepared for doing the homeschooling and have what I'm going to do so I can just follow my plan. And then Missy can deal with all of the day-to-day -day looking after the farm, all the things where life throws all different things at you because I just don't cope very well with that side of it. And right. so it's, it's a bit unconventional for how many families run, but I think you've got to uh, play the cards that you've been dealt and make it work the best for your family unit. And that just seems to be what works best for us at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I am nodding along on my end because um, it's been the shock of my life in the last year to discover that uh, I think my husband is actually a better homeschooling parent than I am. <laughs> and he's, he's taken more responsibility in the last little while. And um, yeah, I think I grew up with a very traditional model of mums at home with the kids and looks after the house and um, dad earns the bread and butter. And it's been, yeah, we've been uh, very strangely um, tipped on its head in the last year with COVID and a couple of other things. And it is amazing what um, happens when you do play to your strengths and recognize that, you know, different people bring different things and it doesn't have to look the way that it looks for everyone else. That's, and that's what I love most about homeschooling, I think, is that you can tweak things. And in different seasons, I think you find that different ones of you are better for different things. And so you can just let it flow as, as it has the least resistance, I guess. Yeah, sure. And um, tell us a bit about where you live. Okay, we live on the central coast of New South Wales, about an hour north of Sydney. Okay. And um, we live on 30-something acres uh, when it hasn't been raining too much, down to about 16 when it has. <laughs> but um, it's wonderful. So we've got a stack of horses. We do adjustment uh, for other people's horses as well. And we okay. grow organic blueberries. We're just going through the organic certification process at the moment so that we can have organic eggs for, from our chickens. And we grow garlic and we do a little bit of market gardening. Okay. And yeah, just all of that fun type of thing on the farm. Wonderful. Right. And uh, you need to tell us a little bit about you. That's what I force all the homeschooling mums to do. It's much easier to talk about our family than it is to talk about <laughs> ourselves. But tell us what you're interested in and um, outside of homeschooling and looking after your house and farm, which is more than a full-time job, I'm sure. What sort of things are you interested in? I love making things. Uh, I love seeing how things work. So I've um, had fun building a, a 3D printer and then 
I usually print things to make the 3D printer better and then pull it apart and rebuild it, improving all over time. Wow. Uh, I've got a, a laser cutter that I keep pulling apart and building and I've just finished a uh, CNC router. So it's basically like a motor with a blade on the bottom that the computer tells how to go to cut things out. So all of your Ikea and that kind of furniture would have been built on a CNC, cut out on a CNC to, to get everything correct. So I've just gotten that all moving. I, um, I seem to enjoy making things that can make things more than making practical things, if that makes sense. So I'll probably sure. use this CNC to build a better CNC. <laughs> but um, it's, just, it's just fun seeing how things fit together. So I've got a whole workshop with the lathe and the boys like to get down there with me building things on the lathes and the, the saws. That it's is fun. great. That is fantastic. That's um, certainly not something we've had anyone on the podcast talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. The boys get into different things and they were into the finger, finger, ba- finger loom, was it? Oh, uh, yeah, the little yeah, loom, loom yeah. bands, that's it. And they were using their fingers and saying it was sore. So then they sat down and sketched out a tool that they thought would work well. And I showed them how to 3D model it. And then we 3D printed some and so they could do all of that. So it's just fun helping them see how things are made and produced and get them thinking in that manner of how they can make things themselves. Yeah, that is amazing. And um, I think probably a skill that a lot of us moderns don't really understand. We get things that have been prepackaged and arrive from the shops to us. And not often do we stop and think about how did this actually get here? How is it put together? So that's a, that's a cool skill to be able to give your kids. It's it's fun. It, it, it might just be my justification for excusing how much I enjoy it, but yeah, it's good. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, right at the beginning that you guys are kind of Charlotte Masony in your approach. And I know because um, I'm signed up to your amazing newsletter and <laughs> I followed you a little bit on social media. I know that you guys use the Ambleside online curriculum. Yes. Um, I was searching around for a Charlotte Mason curriculum that wouldn't be too difficult to implement because, um, starting out, especially with something like Charlotte Mason, it's so different to anything that I was, had, was familiar with. Um, and finding something like Ambleside online, I loved because it was free to get all the book lists and there was such a huge community support that I thought that might be a good idea. I was a little bit put off at how American it was, um, but then I found Jeannie has a, a blog that she hasn't updated in a while called Oh Peaceful Day, and she's Australianized it. Um, so for me, it was great not having to try work out what was a good book to use, what wasn't. I could just grab Ambleside Online's curriculum and um, start implementing from, from go. Great. Yeah. So if you had to explain in a you know, a brief encapsulation of what Ambleside Online is to another homeschooler. I'm going to, well, that's exactly what I'm going to ask. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ambleside Online is a Charlotte Mason curriculum that has been put together by a group of mums in the US that outlines uh, which books they recommend for each year to cover different subjects and complete with weekly readings, what they recommend reading each week, etc. and just makes it really quite easy to follow. They recommend um, artists and have links to the art, the pictures that they recommend studying, uh, links to folk songs that they recommend <clears throat> using, composers, study, all that kind of thing is all there available, available free to uh, have a look at. Wonderful. And um, what would you say are some of the things that make it sort of unique from other styles of education? What are the hallmarks, if you like? 
uh, of Ambleside, do you mean, or of Charlotte yeah. Mason? Well, either one. I feel like the two are fairly closely connected. So <laughs> take that as you I mean, Charlotte Mason, I like because of the literature-based uh, thing. They believe in giving children a whole pile of riches, spreading the feast is how they refer to it. So introducing them to great culture in art and music and great uh, literature to teach them the different subjects so that they can be fascinated by what they're learning and enjoy it. And also giving them a lot of free time to be able to uh, explore their own interests. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the Charlotte Mason thing. The thing about Ambleside that I liked is that it's free um, and uh-huh. listed, they all listed out for me um, what they recommend each week. Yep. Wonderful. And um, I hear and talk to a lot of people because I would consider myself um, maybe not a Charlotte Mason homeschooler, but fairly heavily influenced by Charlotte Mason. Um, yeah. And so I talk to a lot of people that, yeah, would put themselves in similar boats and dip into Ambleside, you know, in bits and pieces and times and seasons. Um, What do you think people don't understand very well about how Ambleside is set up or or is there sort of a common pitfall that you see um, or, yeah, a misunderstanding of how Ambleside works? Of Ambleside specifically, um, their website is ugly and confusing. (laughs) <laughs> They've done a little bit to try and help out. They do that for a reason, though, because they have so many missionary families that follow it that are in the islands or in the jungle that have bad internet. And right. so by keeping their website really simple, um, it's not too much for them to be able to download uh, different bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes a little while, I think, to get your head around how the website works. But once you find the downloadable schedules and that type of thing, it um, can get quite easy I, th- I think when you're first starting, though, substituting um, books, if you think it's not suitable for your family, can be rather intimidating. But you'll face that no matter which curriculum you're sort of going for. So. Right. Do you think that you have to? Um, do you think that you have to be a purist when it comes to Ambleside? Like, is it something that you can dip in and out of, or is it something that you kind of have to? If you're if you're in, you're all in. I absolutely think you can dip in and out. I um, mentioned before that we have sort of unschooling was our, our next highest. I, um, being on the farm, as much as I love routine, it's not going to always happen. So I try to be planned, but I have to allow that things are going to go sideways. So yeah. I take the weekly schedule that they have and I actually make a spreadsheet that lists how many pages are in each reading. And um, that way I can take one of their weeks and I usually do that in about three days with the boys so that way if something happens and you know one of um, our special needs one is having some meltdowns that day or you know something else has gone on it's all right if we miss two days out of three because we're still getting all of the readings done so you can you can schedule it and adjust it to fit your lifestyle and how you're doing things pretty easily Hmm. Very good. Well, I'm, I'm comforted by that because that's what I do. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a bad Charlotte Mason. I mean, the, you see on Facebook when people post all the different things that they've achieved. And I think, well, the reason you're posting this is because it's an achievement for you. Yeah. This isn't your everyday normal as much as people who look on may think it is. I mean, we often won't manage to get through all the picture studies or now that we're not going out, we hardly ever get to listen to the classical music and that kind of thing. But that's all right. There's yeah. other options for them to listen to that. And I figure the kids wouldn't have gotten that if they were at school. So, I mean, there's the ideal that you might see on Facebook. We're never going to reach that. And, no. Um, you know, we, we just do our best and look after the kids that we've got. Yeah, that's true. Um, how about, so 
did you say that you started, um, I know you said you started homeschooling from the beginning. Did you start with Ambleside from the beginning? I did. Um, yes. My <laughs> oldest was absolutely ready for it and he did fantastically. Um, the right. second one is 17 months younger. And so I was excited to start with him and I'd sort of worked out a few subjects they could do together, but he just was not ready. Okay. Um, so he, I started him again at year one with my youngest and that's going really well now. He's a lot more ready. So Great. He's, he's about to turn nine and going into Ambleside online year two, but that's all right. That's where he's at and he's ahead in other things and he's, it's just what it is. Yeah. No, it's a fairly rigorous curriculum anyway. So I think a year two Ambleside is still pretty, um, decent for a child that age. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's just working with what their abilities are is, mm -hmm. is half the advantage of being able to homeschool. Yeah, that's right. So what have you in that time, you've been doing Ambleside for a while. Um, is there anything that you've really changed your stance on that either at the beginning you thought that's not going to work and now you really see the value in it or something that you really thought was going to be great and you've had to ditch? Have you, um, have you had to modify? Um, there, it takes a little bit of faith sometimes to allow your children to get enough of a foundation that they can start to make connections on their own. Um, it often mentions in the Charlotte Mason world not to, not to force feed your children to recognise the representations of things in literature or what it's referring to or the connections between different stories mm -hmm. and let your children sort of make those. Um, and it sort of was 18 months before Dexter, my oldest, started to be able to do those. So that, that took a bit of faith. And so that just made it easier for me when we come to harder subjects, like um, in year four, they introduced things like Plutarch, who wrote a whole pile of biographies of famous Greeks and Romans. And I was thinking there is no way we're going to be able to do this. Um, it's his second favorite subject after the one that I really didn't expect him to like, which was Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> he's, he's loving doing Latin. He's loving doing um, the Shakespeare ones. And then even with my, my younger, um, there'd be times when I'm like, there's no way they'll be able to understand this story or what's going on. And then they're the ones that they managed to tell back the best. Yeah. So I've, I've had to learn to just sort of have faith <laughs> with some of the things that they, they recommend. And it may not work for every child. My oldest one, he's not reading overly well yet because he's dyslexic, but he's, he's struggling through, but he just loves uh, literature and audiobooks. So he'll spend all day listening to, to LibriVox <laughs> yeah. if he had the choice. So just, just trusting that, um, that it does seem to work and that the, the mums who put it together have, have used it for long enough that they've seen that it can work. Hmm. I think that is a really distinct advantage of homeschooling is that if you do have a child who's later to read or struggles to read for a variety of reasons, they can still learn to love stories because you can sit down and snuggle up with them and read to them, which is something you just don't get in a classroom and classrooms are built for students to work through levels. And even when the teacher doesn't emphasize it, every student knows where they sit in the pecking order and who's better than them and who's worse than them. Um, that's right yeah that is something really beautiful that you can offer your kids uh, and when you when you think of your memories of primary school I mean apart from hijinks we got up to at lunchtime and and things like that I remember the stories that were read when the teacher would sit us all on the ground or I remember curling up with my mum and my grandma and them reading me stories I don't remember the classwork that we did no. and and so if I can combine reading these great books with creating those wonderful memories for the boys. I mean, that's what's better than that. Yeah, no, that's great. That's awesome. 
Um, but as you've alluded to already, your world is not just homeschooling. You have a bigger picture of what you're doing um, on your farm. Did you call it a farm? Yeah, we just call it a farm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Could, yeah. <laughs> so tell us how that sort of lifestyle combines with homeschooling um, and how you manage to do that because I've got one pot of flowers sitting on my bench and it's dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> I struggle to do anything outside of homeschooling my kids. So what, is, what does it look like for you guys and um, what are the sort of priorities that you're pursuing to make that happen? My secret is Missy, uh, my wife. <laughs> she, she manages to, to keep all of that stuff on track. The, I mean, we, having the farm means that I don't feel too guilty about the fact we rarely do formal nature study, <laughs> which is one of those Charlotte Mason subjects. And the boys are just so used to um, seeing the reproductive stuff with the horses and the rabbits and the guinea pigs and the chickens. And then also how the different things grow. They help us to plant the garlic. Then they come and, and help us check that it's all going well. And they, they help us do the soil samples and that kind of thing. So the, the nature side of it sort of comes naturally um, from living yeah. on the, on the land. And so does all the exercise since they're outside running around like idiots most of the time. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I mentioned right at the beginning that you have a bit of a business going on, um, the Living Book Press. You're going to have to tell us about that and how you got into it and how it works and um, what it is. Right from the start of when I was looking at homeschooling my boys, uh, once I settled on Ambleside Online, I was so grateful for the people who'd come and put together this curriculum because I knew there was not a chance I would be able to homeschool in this style without all the work that they'd done. And I wanted to try and pay forward the help. Um, there's no way that I had anywhere near enough knowledge to help other parents do it. And I still don't really feel that I do. But what I could do was make books easier to get. So while looking at uh, Jeannie's list, there was a few books that were really recommended a lot that were out of print. Um, I was searching for a couple of years before I had to use them. And one came up for 350 Australian dollars, I think, and the other just did not come up at all. Well, these are books that are being recommended and people are looking for, but they just can't be used because they can't, can't have access to them. So I started um, trying to track down the rights holders to the books and managed to and negotiated permission to reprint them and started doing that. People enjoyed it. I found some more books and did that. And then I saw that a lot of the um, public domain books that were requested were really expensive to get here in Australia. Uh -huh. So I tried to make some of those just, just to make homeschooling easier because um, with all the great curriculums out there, if you can't get the books, there's no use. So I figured my bit I can do is make it easier for parents that come after me to be able to have access to them. Okay. And then it just kept building. And now I've got 120 books, I think. And just, yeah, it's great. I have some curricula asking me to, to, seek the rights and bring things back into print um, and I just yeah keep on trying to do what I can to make life easier for others yeah that is amazing do you remember the names well I'm sure you do what were the what were those first few books that you were trying to track down uh, the little grammar people by Nuri Mass and uh -huh. old Bob's birds by CK Thompson were the, the first two that I I really had my sights set on yep and do you find that those are still popular um, sellers for you now because other people are in the same boat trying to find them yeah, they are. Um, those two in particular, the ones that Jeannie recommends or that are on the Ambleside list are the, the ones. I, um, 
I don't really pay any attention to how many copies of a book sells when I'm looking at the next one I'm going to do. It's more just if someone's asked for it, um, I'll try to do what I can. I think by trying to keep it as almost a hobby in the back of my mind stops me stressing out too much about the whole process. And I think keep some joy in it as well. Like when you make it a business and you get stuck on the numbers, it, yeah, that sucks some of the enjoyment out of it. That's right. After having the music shop for for 15 years, um, I really didn't want to go into that stressful side of, of having a business. Mm -hmm. So it's been fun. Yeah. Okay. So when you're trying to, um, well, you said you, make decisions based on what people request or what people need or, you know, things that are missing from the Ambleside list that are hard to get. Um, What other sort of things are you prioritizing as you make decisions for how the books are printed and what they look like and um, how they feel and how they set out? Um, Being in Australia, there's not a lot of options for short run printing. Um, So I'm just lucky that there is there's only one printer actually that can do the the small runs um so fortunately they do great quality products so most of uh, i've since i like making things i'm usually quite practical as well in that i um, work to what's available rather than dreaming about what's possible Mm -hmm. um if that makes a little bit of sense um I am not a creative person visually. I do everything in that career, like in notepad on the computer if I could. <laughs> so it's, it's been fun um, learning that side of typography. Uh, luckily I've been such a big reader. I can usually see what looks right and what doesn't and then try to learn the proper terms and research why things look right and wrong. Yep. And I've finally managed to find a few artists that I'm enjoying working with to do some of the covers, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, they are beautiful. Your books. I just, um, got a couple in the last month and they just they feel nice in my hand they're beautiful quality i think you do a great job oh thank you so much i i love the matte feel of them it's um just something a little bit different but yeah i i like that too they're matte and not glossy and something about that is just satisfying i don't know why (laughs) yeah i like it yeah so um i am always asking people for book recommendations and it would be very remiss of me to not ask you um is there a particular (laughs) little gem or maybe a couple of gems in your shop or even if yeah just you don't have to restrict yourself to titles in your shop but something that you think every homeschooling family should own oh one book that I really recommend for Australian audiences is called John of the Sirius, and I'll be releasing the next two in that series. And it just follows a 12-year-old boy whose dad is a soldier on the First Fleet coming out to colonise Australia. So it goes through his adventures crossing over the, um, the equator and then calling in at Rio de Janeiro and Cape Town and then finally landing at Sydney Cove. And the next two books go through the, the founding of, of Sydney Town. And then his relationship with Nanbury. So it's all based on on fact. The author was editor of the school magazine for 40 years and was really passionate about children's literature. And so she did a lot of research and wrote this series of books to help kids get an understanding of the, the formation of Australia. Huh. So that's I have not a heard lot of fun. Before. Yeah, that's but, great. Who did you say the author was? Uh, her name is Doris Chadwick. Okay. Uh, ever since I first started publishing, I would get an email and at least every fortnight with no exaggeration at all saying, please, can you look into John of the Sirius by Doris Chadwick? So I um, had a lot of fun trying to to search for the rights there. And finally it all, all came together. That is cool. That's a good recommendation. Thank you. (laughs) 
and if I can do one more, the, the book of Marvels by Richard Halliburton, uh, probably if I had to only have one book sort of to take away that wasn't um, one of the, the real cause, it'd be those. The, the author was a journalist, probably the first travel journalist, and he paid a gentleman to fly him around the world and they had all sorts of adventures. He rode an elephant over the Alps to try to recreate Hannibal's journey and he jumped into the, um, the pits in South America where they'd throw the virgins when they were sacrificing them to the gods and he oh. snuck, snuck into um, the Taj Mahal and slept the night there and just wrote all about it. He was the first person to take a photo of Mount Everest from the air. He climbed Mount Fuji on his own. And he wrote these books as if he's, if he's taking a group of sort of 14 year olds on a journey through all of these places. And so it was written in between the two wars and there was just that fascinating optimism of the era that they're written with. And it's just a beautiful journey to make you realize how much there is in the world and how incredible the different places can be. Oh, what a great recommendation. Okay. Um, I am always making more room on my bookshelves. So I think I'll, I'll, I've got a new project now. I've got to rearrange some things so I can get those. <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you. Um, and I am a little bit reluctant to wind things up, but we're almost out of time. But um, I do want our listeners to be able to find you online. So can you give us the skinny on, on where you're at? Okay, um, my website is www.livingbookpress.com. Um, it's ugly as anything at the moment, but I'm working really hard on getting a new one going. Uh-huh. I uh, outgrew, outgrew the four books that I originally made it for very quickly, and <laughs> I enjoy making books more than working on the website. But, um, Fair enough. And you can find a link to my newsletter that you've mentioned on there. I um, haven't done one the last two months because life, um, but hopefully I'll get another one out shortly. Yep, they're so fun to read. I always love it when I get one in my inbox from you. They're always full of just interesting little bits and pieces of your life around the farm and what you're doing with the boys. It's great. Thank you. I I try to, yeah, just make it a little bit personal because, I mean, I'm a one-person business, so it's it's a bit of fun. And then I'm on Facebook, um, Living Book Press, and I think that's the same on Instagram. I'm incompetent at social media. so <laughs> But you can find links in my um, email anyway and also on my website. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I'll definitely put all of that in the show notes and some links to the books you've recommended. And um, I'll make sure that people get a link to Jeannie at Peaceful Day as well because I think that that um, has been an important part of what you've, an important piece of the puzzle of what you've talked about She's been today. Great. Between her and the Charlotte Mason Australia Facebook group, it's um, been wonderful. So if I can give a shout out to Erin as well, she's got uh, Seven Little Australians and Counting, which is a fantastic uh, Australian book blog. I get a lot of advice on good books from Erin as well. Um, we will have to bring this to the, a close, but it has been a really great conversation. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Lacey. Anthony's kindly offered 10% off to InCahoots listeners at the Living Books Press store. You can use the coupon code INCAHOOTS for the next two weeks. It's been great having you join us today, whether you've been doing the dishes, folding the laundry, or maybe even getting some exercise. Thanks for sharing this time with us. To find us online, you can search for Mum Heart Australia for our website, our Facebook or Instagram. Feel free to leave us any questions or comments and maybe you could share this episode with a friend if you think that they might be encouraged by it. 
Thanks for being in cahoots with us today.